0: The argument simply is this. You want to be a linchpin. How to be irreplaceable at work. A linchpin is a part of a machine that, if taken out, the rest of the machine doesn't work. Your organs, for example, are linchpins, whereas your legs, are not. And so when applied to the complicated organizational structures of a company, or even for an entire community, a linchpin is an individual or organization that acts as an organ to the whole, meaning without them, the company falls apart. Though a linchpin is a commonly misused and misunderstood and misinterpreted term, often leading to personal downfalls rather than the intended success. It's not just about becoming a linchpin, it's about becoming benevolent. The argument simply is this. You want to be a linchpin. Not only does it offer you a job security, but it also means you have a ton of leverage when negotiating salaries and autonomy in the future. Without being a linchpin, you are replaceable, maybe by someone who will do your job more cheaply or a new AI or software tool that's better and faster than you are. So that begs the question, if linchpins are the only ones who aren't beholden to the whims of their bosses and the market and technological advancements, in general, how do you stay safe? How do you become a linchpin? Well, I'll get to the answer in a second, but first, I want to address an emotional and then actionable rebuttal that has pervaded this concept since its conception. If you learn the tricks of the trade and you're the only one to do x, y, and z, whatever task it is, then you can name your price forever and ever. Which is great in theory, though any company worth its salt will immediately and logically define any linchpin as a threat to its company's existence. And therefore, the logical decision for any company with a linchpin is to force that person to share his or her knowledge with the others in the company, and then maybe even fire them for not having done so earlier. And to an extent, this line of reasoning is technically correct, but only if the linchpin is malicious, benevolently and actively trying to hoard a certain skill or ability specifically to leverage his or her lynchman status for greater personal gain, which just don't do that. Meaning what I'm about to teach you, if applied, yes, does make you powerful and important in your company, but it does not give you a reason to use your lynchman status as a gun or as a threat. Instead, it simply means that you are a craftsman, that you're important, yes, but benevolently, important. With that premise, it's an important premise, let's figure out how to become a linchpin. But to do so, this is what a linchpin is not. Being a linchpin does not mean you're the only person who knows how to use a specific Excel document you created to optimize your work performance. It does not mean that you're the only person in the company who knows how to do a specific task. Being a linchpin does not mean that everyone else at your company thinks you are the best, that they all ask for your advice, or that you are the quote-unquote best. In the company, being a linchpin does not mean that you increase sales the most, or you bettered whatever metric your company cares about for that quarter. Being a linchpin does not mean that you're the fastest or the smartest. Being a linchpin—it's not a race. It's not even that you're the most creative. What you do cannot be replaced by a computer or someone in a foreign country. Because the truth is, if being a linchpin is defined by the easy question, "If this person died, would we still have a company?" then the only people who are truly linchpins would be maybe celebrities whose name is the brand. Someone like Conan O'Brien, for example, for the Conan O'Brien show. And so irreplaceability, although an easy definition, is not the correct definition, and is also therefore a bad flag To walk towards being a linchpin means your values and your skills resonate deeply with the company's ethos. So much so that not only does the company need you, it wants you, and even more specifically, that it is you because your leadership is that important. Your gravity is that strong. Your skills combined with your passions are so puzzle piece perfect, in tune with your company's desires and place in the market that it would be outrageous for either you or your company, either side, to let each other go. Because if your passions and your purpose and specific hard skills and love align with your company's brand and its product, then yes, you are a linchpin. And so yes, of course, you should be paid well, but instead of it being a negotiation tool, it just is. Whereby your CEO or your founder gives you above and beyond what you think you deserve because they are happy to do so, because they want to do so, because you deserve it, because they need you because they want you, because they are grateful for your having walked into their lives. That is the relationship you want with your company, one where neither you nor the company is taking advantage of the other. Instead, rising tides, you together raise all boats. They could hire someone to do your job, sure, but it wouldn't be the same. That person wouldn't have your leadership. That person wouldn't have your knowledge. That person wouldn't have your relationships with the other current employees and their current customers and clients. That person wouldn't have bought in as metaphysically to the company's purpose. Or more importantly, that person isn't the catalyst that will Push the company in the right direction moving forward. So, with that said, here are seven ways to become a linchpin. Seth Godin says that there are seven ways to become a benevolent linchpin. One, you can create such a unique interface between the customer and the product that the store or customer experience wouldn't be the same without you. Seth uses an example of a clerk of a 7 Eleven in New York City who knows every single regular customer's name and therefore sells more coffee than any other 7-Eleven in the country. That, my friends, is a linchpin. Two, you can offer a specialty type of non-egotistical creativity to projects or products that most people are unable to do. Therefore, this is specific to the industry and company and is difficult to deconstruct as a theory, but you know the person when you see them. In the last year of the big five changes your company made, was there someone who came up with maybe three of those changes? That person is a linchpin. Three, if you can manage incredibly complex projects without missing a beat, then you are probably a linchpin. Because for most people, their theory is stay in my lane. But for a linchpin, no matter how challenging or complicated the project, you can juggle a million different variables, personalities and systems and progress to make it happen and on time. Four, if you are the face of your brand and you have built a following amongst your customer base, then you are probably a linchpin. Though again, Don't let this go to your head. Any good company can always shift brand ambassadors if they must. 5. If you are the best at inspiring the staff and setting the vision, and then moving the needle effectively and efficiently in that direction, then you are also probably a linchpin. This often is not just the CEO, the ultimate decision maker. Instead, this is the person who everyone would follow in a mutiny To get rid of the CEO, the inspire-in-chief, the true emotional leader of the team, that person is a linchpin. Six, if you have deep domain knowledge of your industry to the point of almost absurdity, if you are one of five people in the world who can tell the difference between X or Y and the other four work at your competitors, then you probably are a linchpin. This is the company nerd often. Everyone laughs at their deep, deep knowledge, but they also respect it. So be careful here because if you are this person, you should also be willing to share this knowledge. It will show that you're a team player and that you will have others play tennis with you, be creative with you, and come up with an even more efficient answer together. Because if you're the only one thinking about a problem because you're the only real person with the requisite understanding of the problem to come up with a solution, you may be pushing yourself too far down into a lonely place an uncreative place, and no one, nor any company, wants that. 7. Seth calls this being really good at the thing. So good that you are irreplaceable. But this is also reserved for arguably the best in the world at each task, like the top 10. So unless you are Michael Jordan, or David Foster Wallace, or Donald Brandman, no one will take your creative meandering seriously. And the truth is, you're probably not a genius, neither am I, which is okay. And so sticking to the first six, honestly, is my best advice. And so there you have it. That is how you become a linchpin. But here's the thing. A true linchpin in life is a person or a company that says that they are linchpin, yet simultaneously says, you know, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if I am one or not, because if I lost my job, if the company went under, it doesn't matter. I'll be okay because I have the skills, I have relationships, and I have experiences to go out there and do it repeatedly. And so if you lose your job tomorrow or your company goes under, don't worry. In this world, there is no better time to go out there and make a dent. Even if you're a linchpin in this company and it goes under, you can be a linchpin in another one in the future. I hope that helped. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Cheers.